0: right hello my friends welcome back to another live stream another closed traffic podcast episode hope you guys are doing well out there hope you guys are staying safe johnny what is going on my friend welcome say hello to the people man how's it going guys
1: i hope all is well hope everyone is staying much warmer than we are here in uh lovely texas and uh yeah we just tend to have the wackiest weather it's like when we want cold weather it's Like 100 degrees, and then it's like yeah. we don't want cold weather, it's like you know, negative 10. So, <laughs> anyhow, but all in all, it's you typical. know, we're, we're, we're surviving here,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a bit overcast here in Southern California, not typical, but hey, uh, still, uh, still not as bad as uh, some of the other areas in the country. And I heard uh, the north and southeast are going to get hit pretty bad in the next couple of days, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, our friends out there in the east on the east coast, uh, just be careful batting down the hatches and. You know, take all the proper precautions because it's supposed to be a doozy,
0: so they say. Absolutely. Listen, man, enough about us. I think uh, <laughs> we all know why everyone is here. We know why we are here. Ladies and yes. gentlemen, we are joined by Sasso and Goran uh, from Hot Start and X Aviation uh, to talk to us today about the lovely, incredible, uh, gosh, I'm just blown away by this add-on, uh, but Challenger 650, man. Goran Sasso, say hello. Welcome.
2: Hey, how you doing? Hey, folks. How are you doing?
0: <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, we're going to just jump right into it, man. We've got uh, a series of definitely a series of questions <clears throat> that you know we've got for you guys and some of the things that we've been collecting from the audience and uh, some of our folks that subscribe to the channel and just things that we've seen on the forums and through other live streams about this incredible aircraft. But before we dive into the aircraft, I think we've got some initial specific introductory questions, I think, really for each of you. Uh, and that's starting with what's your background, Go Goran or Sasso? Either one of you can go first, but, you know, kind of walk the folks through your background. What got you into flights and what got you into aviation? And then obviously, subsequently, what got you into add-on development?
2: Go oh, ahead and so head so him up, Goran. Okay. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
3: um. Wow. Uh, I was in a field which was completely unrelated. Um, I was a personal trainer at uh, a gym um, oh. about a half-hour drive away from me. And um, then from there, I worked at uh, the airport. I was gravitating towards uh, aviation. And I lost my job at the airport, and um, I pretty much got fired there because they were just getting rid of staff, cutting back. And Mm -hmm. uh, I thought, okay, well, let's start doing something. And I picked up a 3D program and started messing around with it. And within about, I think, four months, five months, I had something to show. And that's when X Aviation took an interest and uh, decided to talk to me and sign me up.
0: Wow. Oh, gotcha.
3: I got, and, I got very lucky with it. I just fell into it and it all just uh, pretty much fell into place pretty easily. Gotcha.
0: And have uh, you always kind of been a, an aviation fan? I mean, you mentioned working, you know, down there. Yeah,
3: I started getting interested in aviation uh, about 25 years ago. Um, I went to get my private pilot's license and did that until about 2006. Okay. And mm-hmm. it started getting too expensive. So I had to ah. drop that and mm-hmm. – um yeah, then that window between two thousand and six and two thousand and nine is when I started picking up um, just the virtual kind of thing on uh, aviation, and it, it it's pretty good. I and I, I like working for myself. I don't like having to report to anybody. And I hear that. Um, yeah, and it, it it just it was a smooth transition, but it's it's nice. It's, you get to work from home. Um,
1: Absolutely. Right.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. awesome. That's pretty interesting. Sasso, how about you, man?
2: Well, <laughs> I kind of go way back in aviation. I, I've all, always loved a, aviation or sort of flight simulation, that kind of stuff, but even as a kid. Uh, probably started around FS4, give or take out. I don't remember that. Wow. It, it, it gets a haze. And then I kind of like it was, you know, just usual, you know, your kid's stuff, ten-year-old kid just messing around with this stuff. And then I kind of left it. Um, I've been developing. I've, I've professionally i was always a uh, software engineer so right i trained as one and i worked essentially my, all my career as one and uh, probably you know five or six years ago i don't remember anymore exactly i peck- picked ava flight simulation again back up mm-hmm. um i just noticed uh, one of frugal's videos up on youtube uh, started watching <laughs> yeah. he was flying a aerosoft a320 or something like that and i was like Wow, and like I remember the flight simulation that was back in the 90s it was kind of crummy and yeah. the amount of the, the amount of progression that has been made in like 10 or 15 years since then was just amazing. Yeah. Like you could actually sit in the cockpit The thing, actually look like the thing. There was actually, you know, 3D switches, everything looked great. He right. had FS2 Crew running. So it was yeah. all, you know, pretty swell. And that's what kind of got me back into it for about a couple of years. I was just a user. So I just you know wanted to like fly a- airplanes around um i didn't go into microsoft flight simulator anymore because i like i looked at fsx okay that thing's outdated it's not being developed anymore yeah. and uh and uh, i looked at XPlane, and wow this thing's good actually in a proper aerodynamic model everything so kind of that's where i went um mm-hmm. flew around for a couple of years and then you know as software developers we get kind of restless in that we always find some things that are just annoying us so we always try and you know pick up the hammer and you start hammering on the thing right yeah you just kind of you can't just let it let it be there or can just complain you got to do something about it right and so i developed um a bunch of add-ons a bunch of plugins and after that obviously the natural progression was i want to do an airplane and yeah started doing an airplane the tbm uh with goran here Mm -hmm. and uh after that came out i essentially like left my former software development job for an enterprise software company And just starting to do this real time, because, you know, exactly like Orin said, I love being my own boss. Um, uh, And at the same time, you get to work on something that is absolutely your hobby. And, uh, yeah, that's what that's what I'm doing. then I got a PPL and that kind of all the all the good stuff that you you kind (laughs) of comes with the territory of getting really immersed in something to unhealthy levels. Yeah. Too that, cool, too cool. I incredible. gotta say,
1: I, I'm I'm sorry, Mike. I just I've just been in awe because um I'm I'm probably the biggest fan of the tvm 900. You know, I've been <laughs> yearning. It's not exaggerating just... either.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, I've just been uh, I've just been was really looking forward to a awesome, just accurate PT six simulation, and I just I haven't seen anything that that's topped it. You know, at all. And I mean, to this day, I, I still fly it. So you know just again you know con- uh, congratulations for the release as well hey, thanks, and um you know um like i said just a really really huge fan so and, and to Mike's point yeah there's no exaggeration
0: <laughs> you, wait 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 you fly it or it flies you <laughs> um probably, probably sometimes a little of both yeah, right yeah a little
1: bit on the ladder but yeah you know <laughs> it's oh, a handful man, I'm just but, with you, yeah. no it's a handful but that's you know, I think we, you know, there's, you know, there's definitely, you know, a need for that. You know, I know, especially for, you know, a lot of us simmers who, you know, have, you know, been around for quite some time or even those who are just, you know, getting into the industry just to have that challenge, something that, you know, actually requires study, you know, you know, simulation to where, you know, if things, you know, if things are mishandled you know, yeah.
0: um, you're going to pay for it.
1: Yep. You're going to pay for it. So, you know, definitely, definitely hats off to you folks for, yeah. you know, what you've done for the community, you know, as a whole, for sure.
2: And that was kind of the goal when I, what I set out to do with the TBM as well, is it was always going to be, um, I just don't want to make, you know, yet another cockpit simulator. I want to make it, a TBM is kind of a personal cruiser, right? So it's, it's the airplane you own when you've made it sort of in the, in the business world and you fly as an owner operator. So you would naturally have to deal with stuff like I got to get a brake change on the airplane. I, gotta, mm-hmm. yeah, I got a leaking fuel tank, that kind of stuff. You're caring for the airplane. I always wanted to convey that in that airplanes do not stop being on your mind or the airplane that you own doesn't stop being on your mind. The moment you shut down the engine, that's 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 when the actual care for the thing starts. Mm -hmm. You you, got to start taking care of the little maintenance issues and that kind of stuff, just filling out the the occasional piece of paperwork. Um, So, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's that what I try to capture. Um, I was going through my flight training, I think at the time or it was actually before that. Uh, And, yeah, you kind of learn that airplanes fly on paper. (laughs) <laughs> they don't they don't use field, they need paper. Um truckloads yeah. truck of paperwork. So yeah. uh it, it's just that sort of back end of, of caring for an airplane. That's what we we're trying to we're set out to uh recreate on the sim.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. I I wish you know more developers kind of thought that thought like that, right? And kind of went beyond the the typical, you know, flight sim things that we continue to see out there today. Um, just really be able to immerse yourself in the product, you know. Again, even after you shut the engine down, like you said, is something that we don't see all too often. So, uh, I think that's incredible. That kind of leads me into, you know, really the inception of, you know, Hot Start, and then, you know, Ladder. We were talking a little bit earlier, uh, Goran uh, X Aviation. Can you kind of walk everyone through, you know, how you know Hot Start came to be, and and kind of how you guys progressed through, uh, you know, the overall product line.
2: So the history of Hot Start is essentially it's the history of the TBM how it got developed. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started on the TBM, Hotstar didn't exist. Um, I essentially I just knew I wanted to make an airplane and I wanted to do something that would had ready to go avionics so that I don't have to I didn't have to. I, I tried to create. I tried to you know mess around with avionics earlier on, and it was just a sort of a train wreck. And I, I saw how tall that mountain is that's got to yeah. be climbed on. So I wanted to do something that's simpler. Um, something that's going to be ha- be able to have some ready-made avionics come directly with the SAM. And I knew Xplane 10 was going to have the built-in G1000. So I picked an airplane. I wanted to do an airplane that had a G1000 natively. Yeah. And I also wanted to do an airplane that was. Fast but not jet complexity. So mm. I wanted essentially the maximum you could get away with a propeller. And the TBM is pretty close to that. So that was the motivation to pick the TBM. Um, initially, I didn't I didn't even know if it's going to be payware. Is it just going to be like an open source project? Or I'm just going to mess with this. Um, right. And for about the first half year, give or take, maybe a little bit longer, I was the, one, I was the only one working on it. I was basically doing everything. And I was doing graphics, and I was doing the the 3D and the textures for it. And the, I hate doing visuals. Like uh, it's like eating <laughs> broken glass for me. Um, I am I not it. an artistic person. I, I do well, I, I, I do have a feel for shapes, but other than that, yeah. I just don't like you know molding and uh, geometric and organic shapes and that kind of stuff. It's just horrible for me. Um, every time I had to work on the 3D, I hated it. Um, so it was a real godsend that in February I think 2017 or something like that. 2018. 2018. Yeah. 18. Uh-huh. Um, I got on a call uh, with a buddy streamer of mine, um, and he got me in touch with Goran, and so Goran was on a call. So I just did a screen share and it was like, okay, I'm just going to show him what I'm working on. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, I was talking about all the system simulation, that kind of stuff, showed him some some avionics that I coded already, and Goran was like <laughs> Let's go, dude.
3: We're gonna
0: go your eyes probably lit up.
3: <laughs> I told him, I said, dude, I, I don't even want to wait anymore. I want to get stuck in stuck into it right now. Let's go. Let's
2: and go heck yeah. It, it, yeah, it was kind of a kind of a nice partnership in that we 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 hit it off in the sense that Gordon was exactly good at what I was horrible at. Um, so he basically just took over the entire graphical part of the project. And um, ever since then, we just kind of cooperated on, on everything uh, in that way, in that, in that kind of a partition. I, I do all the systems, simulation, aerodynamic stuff, and Gordon does all the visuals, everything that you look at on the screen. Oh, wow, so that's, that's yeah. Incredible. And Hot Start was that was essentially the, the, the genesis of Hotstar.
0: Gotcha. Ooh, and thank goodness for the for, for that. <laughs> because, you know, like Johnny said, we've all kind of been waiting for that level of fidelity uh, in, in X-Plane. Before I continue to go on here, uh, folks, welcome in. Uh, glad to, uh, to see each and every one of you. Uh, as the title says, we are on with uh, Goran and Sasso from Hot Start uh, talking through uh, just the inception of Hot Start. And in a bit here, we'll definitely get into the a uh, Challenger 650, because I know that's why everyone is here. Feel free to jump in, ask your questions, and uh, you know, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Um, speaking of just the level of fidelity, so I'm a guy coming from uh, FSX and P3D. I really didn't get into X Plane, uh, gosh, until about I want to say 2017, maybe even 2018. And a lot of the things that you know I've been able to witness with my own eyes, um, and not so much today, a couple years ago, um, as well as what other folks have said coming from P3D or folks that own kind of both, um, is we kind of lack the system fidelity that we see in the P3D aircrafts like your FS Labs, PMDG, across the X-Plane line. And a lot of the times we've heard other developers say, well, it's just because X-Plane doesn't have that capability, doesn't have the code. Uh, it, it's just not there to do that. And then you guys turn around and drop the TBM.
1: And just blow the doors and off. And
0: t- then you turn around and drop the six fifty. <laughs> so it's hard for me to like to to, to kind of you know turn on that and and go with that as an excuse these days. When you guys were able to kind of flip that on its head and 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 you know come out with the opposite. What's your perspective on that? Do you, do you think it's it truly is challenging to do that level of fidelity and explain? Um, or do you think it's really folks not really wanting to push the barriers as they should, or maybe a little both? What do you guys think?
2: I only speak to it from their perspective of, as a code developer. Mm-hmm. And for me, explain is a million times easier to develop for than anything I have seen from wow. either P2D wow. or, or Microsoft flight, Sam. Wow. Um, frankly, to me, the architecture software architecture of p3d and msfs seems arcane and uh fairly it's not that it's impossible to work in Uh, that'd be kind of a that'd be stretching it um ultimately the sim is only a platform it's like saying you know you you can't develop good software for windows or you can't develop good software for linux ultimately the the purpose of the platform should be to get out of your way but i find that msfs and p3d just get in your way a whole lot more Mm -hmm. they're trying to they're they're trying to force you to do things their way or the highway. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Explain, you basically get free reign to do almost anything. Um, Austin, the principal developer of Explain, yeah. he is a super approachable dude. You can email him anytime you got a question. You're gonna get a get a response within a few hours usually. Um, the dude probably doesn't sleep, and uh, <laughs> and he is super technical. Um, yeah. He's got a great t- technical team and anytime you want to do you want basically something added or refined in the sim even though you've already got insane l- amounts of access they're going to look and try and accommodate you um, like the amount of ac- access you've got in the X ex- in explain is you basically get to run your code directly inside of the sim, There's Mm -hmm. no restrictions on what you can do. Um, There's open APIs and open specifications for file structures and everything everywhere. So you can pretty much touch everything. You can override anything. There's no such thing like I know some developers are struggling in MSFS where they're they're saying that they're having trouble with some aerodynamic stuff of the core sim. And Asobo doesn't let them take care to control that Mm -hmm. in Mm X-Plane. I can just set a couple of variables and I can take over the entire movement of the airplane if I wanted to. So wow. there, wow. there's just a lot of, lot of refinement that you can get there. Obviously, there's improvements that are possible, but the amount of features that we got in X Plane to be developer friendly are just top of the notch, top notch, I would say. <laughs>
0: So pretty much the opposite of what I've been told. <laughs> <Essentially>. <laughs> Probably. Oh, that's, that is hilarious. That's, that's hilarious. It really is. I, I mean, that's, that's good news. I mean, that's good news for the future. Listen, it sounds like, you know, the foundation and the core platform is there for developers to take advantage of it. So hopefully... You know, we we see the bar now raised and we'll be able to get higher fidelity products. Nothing's wrong with the products that we have today. Don't get me wrong. For I'm not bashing sure. any of the products. I've got a ton of them on my sim and I fly them all the time. Um, but as the saying go, there's levels to this. So, uh, Goran, you kind of feel the same way, pretty much?
3: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, some of the things that he did, that Sasa did, um, for example, the FBO for the Challenger. I even spoke to him about this. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I spoke to him about this uh, a ball. few months ago, and he, when, he, when he first showed me, he really dropped the, the, the ball on me, yeah. um, and I was looking at it with my mouth open, and <laughs> I asked him, I said, what is it that goes inside your brain that makes you think yeah. of this stuff? Because this is stuff <laughs> I don't even, the, the, the reason I think that we haven't seen things like this in other Sims is because it never even occurs to people to add that in yeah, there. No,
1: it doesn't. Exactly. it doesn't. When I saw
3: that, I thought, <laughs> how? Like, And he just told me, he says, well, I just want to see things in the Sim that I experience when I go flying. Mm-hmm. And I said, like, no, that's fair enough, but like,
0: it's it's still yeah
3: (laughs) my brain doesn't work like that yeah um so i was like you know absolutely do it and then like sometimes i would throw ideas at him like for example the de-icing truck um he showed me that and i was blown away by that and then it just came into my head i said dude can you maybe put the camera view inside the cab and maybe like give them kind of the the perspective of de-icing their their own plane and he thought about it for about two seconds and i think yeah, I think I can do that. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. I'll... Half an hour later, i will come back and I will say, yeah, check this out. And he showed wow. me what it did. I said, oh, my God, how do you do this? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. The very first time I had this happen to me with, with Sasa was with uh, Librain because we were working on the TBM, and I just asked him, I said, do you think you can make your own rain for this thing? Like Because I don't like the rain in X-Plane. It, 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 it needs improving. Yeah. And um, he says, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can dabble around in that. I mean, he can correct me if I'm wrong on any, any of this because this is going back a few years. And literally about 24 hours later, um, he, like I didn't think he was going to do it. And 24 hours later, he call, He sends me a message on Discord and he says, uh, can I screen share something with you? And I said, yeah, sure. And he screen shares and he shows me his first alpha of the rain. I'm like, how did you do this in 24 <laughs> hours? What's the matter with you? Uh, <laughs> and that was the yeah. conception the, the inception of Librain. Um, wow. so yeah, like the, like he thinks, so Sasset thinks of the things that other developers don't think of, not mm-hmm. because they're lazy or anything, just because right. it never occurs to them to add that stuff in there. Oh, um, absolutely. He wants the full experience. And yeah, like when he shows me this stuff, I'm like, yeah, man, go for it. Absolutely. hundred percent. If you can do it, that's why I, he'll ask me sometimes if I can model something for him, for example, an extra feature that has nothing to do with, the, with an aircraft. I mm-hmm. said, dude, if you can code it, just tell me and I'll model it. No problem. Don't, don't even ask. Just tell me. Just say, I need you to code this. A oh, little trash can. can. Yeah. Right. <laughs> don't get any ideas, man.
1: Oh, man. That's,
0: that is incredible, man. It's incredible.
1: I got to say, my jaw dropped. I watched the stream. I think everybody did. And, um, you know, I was just off for work and you know, I was watching the stream, and when he mentioned, when when I saw the FBO, uh, going, I my mouth dropped. I mean, I was <laughs> the. In, from that moment on, my mind was blown, and you know, and 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 you hit the nail right on the head, my friend. It's that yeah. you know, you know, he manages to think of things that you know none of us would think of, and I know myself and Mike as well. The FBO experience is you see that you go through it's the spot FBO on. Yeah. Spot on, you know, all yeah, the way man. up to the little random little computer desk there. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you go yeah. and you do your file your flight plans or whatever. And yeah. you know, just I mean, uh, and guys, I'm, I'm sorry, I just gotta admit, I literally flew the thing, I just finished another flight in the 650 about <laughs> what before right before we started the stream uh-huh. and you know, I've—I don't know, Mike. How many hours I got in the thing already? You got a you know, hours in that thing. Yeah, right. it's, it's, it's only it's been a ri- week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. And, needs um, to cut you a check, man. <laughs> oh
1: man, no joke. But you know, my every every time I step in it, you know, I always always seem to find something new and unique with it. And it's the same thing with TBM. I've had the TBM since it released, and I'm mm-hmm. always finding new features and you know new nuances with the airplane that you know I haven't seen before. So. Yeah, that's uh I, I, I think that definitely for sure is what you know is what what sets you know your guys's products apart from, from the rest we'll find of a year.
3: lot more in the challenger when you come across them. A lot more in the challenger that you haven't
0: found. Uh sure there's a ton of those. So we, we oh, jump oh right gosh. into the challenger. We might as well keep going. First of all, again, uh those of you just tuning in, we are on with Sasso and Goron. Uh, talking us through uh, the uh, the Challenger 650. We'll jump into that right now, uh, but also just some of the things like the inception of, uh, of Hot Start and, and whatnot. Uh, man, it's time for Johnny 650 to have a major <laughs> overhaul. <laughs> he already needs an yeah. overhaul. I know, right? Oh, yeah, i for his T-check already. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. So where – I, I got to ask, what, what brought along kind of the initial idea to bring a Challenger 650 to X-Point?
2: So, whenever when we select a new project to to work on, I did this um, initially with the TBM and then also with the Challenger. Is I was looking for something that hadn't been done yet because, you know, ultimately if you think about it um, as a product, even if like if you want to sell it, um, you have to find some niche, and it's much easier to find a new aircraft type that hadn't been done before mm-hmm. rather than, you know, try and redo something, retread a path that had already been trodden. And then you eventually ultimately you just end up splitting sales, right? You have to, yeah. there's, you have to basically steal customers from somebody else, so to speak. Uh, whereas if you're doing a new aircraft type that hadn't been done before, there's, it's essentially a green field, right? You get to mm-hmm. you get to do whatever. Um, now for the challenger, I've been asked this multiple times and we've kind of come up with essentially a list of four conditions for us to do an aircraft type. Um, first of all, it ha we have to have access to it, right? So with the TBM, uh, we had access to an owner operator um, who oh, cool. owns a TBM and he, he could at any time get us measurements, get us pictures, record sounds for us, I even like I traveled out to Texas to him and like spent a couple wow. of days at his place. And we were playing around in the airplane, recording sounds, doing engine runs, that kind of stuff. Um, with the challenger, we also had, uh, right from the get go, a, a friend of ours was a captain on a challenger. So we knew we could get access. Um, so, so first of all, we need to have access to the airplane to actually be able to work with somebody. We, we, we don't do paper planes. we don't do just you know we, we download manuals and then put our best spin on it. And we actually you know have to have somebody who has firsthand knowledge. so there's many things that we wouldn't be able to capture otherwise. Now Second of all, we have to see market potential in it. Like uh, we have a we have a friend of ours uh, named Graham who would absolutely love for us to do a shorts 360 if you know what a shorts Mm. looks like (laughs) imagine a brick with wings essentially it's it's a more like a shoebox to the size of a house um (laughs) uh i'm or or vickers vickers uh viscount um Mm. sure they are absolutely lovely airplanes i'm sure technically but um we we understand that there is certain market appeal to do a a jet to do something that's fast to suit to do something that's modern so there has to be market appeal to it, and thirdly we we have to be passionate about it um, there are you know there are if if we were just in it for the money, we would do yet another Airbus or yet another Boeing because we know mm-hmm. airliners sell the most mm-hmm. popular airliners sell sell the most, yeah. but it would not feel like fun It would right. feel yeah. like a daily just a just a slog just just absolutely going to going drain on that on those projects. So we want to do something that we're passionate about. And we saw there isn't really a good biz jet. The no. Challenger mm-hmm. is exciting. It has a lot of range. It has a lot of capability, a large cabin, a lot of missions. There's a lot of them flying out there. They are modern aircraft. We got access to it. Let's go. Um, that is absolutely a no brainer. So that is what primarily gravitated um, us towards the Challenger there to, to pick on that airframe.
1: Absolutely, I'll, I'll have to say this, and you know, I've been saying this for, oh Lord, decades. But you know, there's there's literally a hole for bizjet. There's absolutely, you know, very few developers have actually taken on the challenge of developing a bizjet, and you know, and you know, I totally agree. I mean, you know, in terms of the six fish, six fifty. I mean. You know, its mission capability is bar none. You know, we got we got a couple leaving out of in Texas, and they're running a little 100 mile trip to Tyler, Texas, or, you know, they're doing a three, four hour trip to the East Coast. So, mm-hmm. you know, extremely capable. I mean, I've yet to run out of ideas of where I can fly the Challenger to. <laughs> so
2: if you, if you talk about business, I mean, there are a couple out there, but they're usually old citations or very old Leers. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of the developers that, that are going to do the business, they're going to do usually either the steam gauge versions or some very basic, you know, CRT screen avionics, barely a GPS on it. And that's because it's easy to, easy to do. You get to use stock avionics for that. But the problem is that kind of an aircraft. Um, it's not as exciting personally to me, because, you know, it's, it's an airplane for uh, a two hour flight really. And if you want yeah. to do any more, ain't got no lav for uh, sure, a, a Lear, a Lear can go high and it can, can go fast, but not for very long. It's usually going to be, you know, a, a Lear. I'm not even sure if it can go deep coast to coast. I think just about some leers can do it, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, but not really more than that inside of it. It's, it's, it's not bigger than a small compact car, you know, in terms of fuselage diameter. So uh, medevac on a Lear is a challenge. I know there are some to do, but it's a challenge like squeezing into that split door. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas a challenger is, the challenger is was was designed originally as sort of a jack of all trades, so it can go short distances, but it can also do transatlantic. It can carry a single person, but you can actually convert it into a almost like a hospital ship. Like you've got wow. uh, Rega is flying uh, challengers that have two full size beds with a full a another eight people that are going to be able to be carried on the airplane at the same time as the two wow. patients. So Rega does, um, they, they fly challengers all over the world. Um, that's, and despite it having, you know, theoretically only transatlantic range, you can find a Rega challenger flying out of Australia just because they got, they got a, a medevac mission to like transport, recover a, 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 a casualty or, or some, uh, some patient back to like Europe or that kind of stuff or they'll fly all over the place and it's a very very versatile versatile airframe so that is that is really exciting to us
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just blown away man I, like I said I remember I remember it being announced a while back but Johnny's really the one that's kind of been following you know you all's development all along And I was sitting in, it might have been two weeks ago now, sitting in a meeting and he sends me the link, I think uh, Sasso to, it might have been day one or day two, I can't remember, one of those days where you were kind of demoing the, you know, mostly finished product to the community and i saw the i saw the fbo i had to get up and walk out and go watch the rest (laughs) outside outside of the conference room and it was it was that serious i was that blown away i was like wait a minute this this is an an x-plane add-on it was uh it was (laughs) incredible i was really taken aback and you know like johnny says i continue to fly it and continue to find different things you know each and every flight. Like it's incredible how much the aircraft, and you know, if you're used to the TBM that you guys put out as well, you, you're kind of familiar with that, but it's incredible how much the aircraft retains after you've already shut it down and you try to go out for a next flight. And I'm like, why is that on? I didn't, I, oh, yep, I forgot to turn it off. <laughs> so, like, it, it's, it really makes you think, it really keeps you on the top of your game. And I think that's something, you know, we want to continue to see you know, throughout this flight sim hobby uh for, for many years to come. Uh, lots of questions in here definitely <laughs> is it, uh, about you know what's next for the challenger and x plane yes, twelve and, and the all this rega is stuff. planned just
3: so people know okay. the rega um, is
0: planned so there you go
3: yeah awesome we, with cooperation from rega themselves oh cool wow yeah too cool yeah. i've got documentation i got uh, the uh, livery on the outside um all the different angles, the colors, the lines, everything. So wow, wow. Photos of the interior. That's it's
1: gonna
0: incredible. be a big one. That one, for sure. Yeah. Looking forward to
2: that. Wow. <laughs> you, can, you can count on you can count on us coding a special medevac mission for that. So it's not just oh, gonna be a, a medevac-looking airplane, but you know, it's still you know your usual business passenger. No, no, we actually are gonna make something something special for that
3: awesome
0: too <laughs> it's, cool is goran using a body double he looks super well rested
3: <laughs> <laughs> a little pre-workout
0: a little re-workout. There you go. I, I, I can't even begin to imagine how busy you guys are. i was in the discord uh might have been last weekend and i was trying to figure something out oh yes it was the uh i couldn't get radios on vatsim and it turned out because the uh avionics switch avionics switch on the alpha was off and I think it was five seconds someone answered that for me. It's incredible. Again, so many folks put out a product and it's so hard to, you know, go in and get support. You know, you guys were on there, you know, release weekend. You're probably still on there asking, you know, answering questions in real time. So I'm sure I appreciate that. And I'm sure the community appreciates it. We try and do our
3: best that we can with answering Mm -hmm. questions, but we got all these, like um, Graham is one of them. um, All our testers. um, Yeah. Without them we'd be a couple of grease spots on the floor um, <laughs> Very we, much would so, yeah. we would not be able to cope and keep up, like, yeah. we've told them i don't even know how many times thanks so much for helping us out guys because we'd be really i, I think i'll probably just go into hibernation for three months and then come out and see what's going on <laughs> um it's just not possible you can't just no. i would get um i would get to sleep and then wake up in the morning and i'd see something like 670 messages that I've missed or something else. Oh my, oh my
2: god! Gosh. That? Yeah. That's pretty close to it. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah.
3: And we just don't want to go back through that. I mean, yeah. we've got, uh, yeah, Graham, Amy, um, uh, Captain Crash, and they're all in different time zones too.
0: Oh, so that helps so, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So they're kind of manning the, 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 the chat for like, 24 hours. And we kept on telling him, please, guys, just get a sleep. Graham sleeps for an hour and a half a night. I don't know how he does it. That's an exaggeration. He'll say, wow. i have to get to sleep. And an hour and a half later, he's back up again. I said, Dude, what are you doing up? You just went to sleep. And he says, no, I've slept enough. <laughs>
0: wow. um, so you guys mentioned, you know, you know, one of the other questions we kind of had was, you know, your approach to working with, you know, real world uh, pilots and, Uh, manufacturers to really get this level of detail uh, in your aircrafts and then into the sim. Uh, Obviously, you know, you mentioned you guys worked with a captain on the 650. Uh, But uh, is there any other, you know, tool or are there any other tools or or any other approaches that you guys use? It's incredibly detailed, man. I've seen forums and heard from, you know, real world pilots that actually fly this thing that say, listen, they didn't miss a thing. Um, you know what's you know besides you know just working with a pilot here or there, what I could just imagine it's probably you know hours and hours of studying every system and understanding how it works to be able to to develop for and program that.
3: What's
2: the sense? Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. Lots of FaceTime um, yeah. with with the pilots that are when they're sitting in the cockpit. They literally just point the camera at the at the screens, and we tell them buttons to push and things to try. Um, but it's really uh, on the six fifty. It comes down to the way that the airplane's built architecturally, right? As as a model. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, when the when I was starting out on the six fifty, I knew I wanted essentially nothing to do. Uh, nothing. To depend on the base sim. Um, the only thing that I was willing to leave to the base sim is aerodynamics, because um, for for that, first of all, I don't feel qualified to do custom aerodynamics completely from the from scratch, and second of all, I think Explain actually does a pretty good job. When you when you enter all the data into Explain accurately, Explain mm-hmm. will get you within five percent of the real thing, and the remaining five percent you basically just you know sort of finagle in. Right. Um, but in terms of everything else all the systems, all the avionics, every piece of systems architecture on the airplane, I knew I wanted to recreate just like the real thing, which is to say there is no secret knowledge in any of the systems. There is no, in any of the avionics, for example, none of the computers on the airplane has any knowledge of the outside world other than what it can acquire through simulated sensors. And of course, so we essentially, it's like Carl Sagan's Cosmos, uh, where he said that, if you want to make an apple pie from scratch, you got to first invent the universe. Um, mm. So on the 650, <laughs> yeah. we start out with the basic physics, right? So how does an engine work? Well, I start out with uh, basic study of like NASA documents for how to how to model the thermodynamics of a turbine engine, um, and if I go through the whole rigmarole of implementing a turbine engine that behaves realistically and approximates exactly what the CL what the CF34 on the Challenger does. Um, I have. It obeys it, it ab- it essentially all the laws of physics. Um, afterwards, we then simulate sensors. So a sensor will be will have something like, you know, it'll have uh, something like a pitostatic tube, right? Or a pitostatic probe, it's going to be subject to various noise and effects, like flying off angle and that kind of stuff. And the only thing wow. the pitostatic probe gives you is total and static pressure, nothing more. Plus, you know, added noise and, and, and randomness to the, to the measurement. Mm-hmm. So essentially, I take the perfect data I've got got in the sim, where you are, how, how fast you're flying. I mess it up. I make it like bad data. And then I have a computer that's running in a separate thread that then has to clean that back up and try and make sense of it. So we start good, we break it, and then we fix it.
0: Fix it. Wow. And
2: eventually that's exactly why the, why the airplane behaves so realistically. It's essentially because to, from the avionics point of view and yeah. each computer is running at its own thread and slow own little world um, from the airplanes in avionics point of view, it is actually flying a real challenger. It has no notion of the fact that it's inside of a SIM. It, it cannot mm-hmm. peek at the SIM and ask me, ask the SIM, okay, where am I actually, or, or, or what are, what is our actual speed? What's our actual attitude? It's, it was one of the things is wow. one of the most, I'd say, complicated pieces of avionics was the inertial reference system because the inertial reference system has no knowledge of where it is. You only, the pilot tells it where it is. And from there, all all it gets is gyroscopic and accelerometer measurements. And then it has to, what they call integrate or basically sum up its position over time. It never Mm -hmm. ever gets to pick or peek directly into the sim to tell it, okay, we're actually here. There it is. Wow. So recreating the proper math, that actually took a bunch of studying.
3: Yeah, I'm sure. Wow, I'm, I'm sure.
0: sure.
3: <laughs> see what I mean? I did I don't even bother trying to figure him out. No, no,
2: no. There's I
3: just, no I working magic, dude. i just I'll model it and texture it, you make sure it runs, and I'm happy.
2: Yeah. Oh man. And of course, once I've done all the studying, I didn't want to make it like, you know, I'm gonna implement all the code and then just hide it under a nice veneer and you'll never ever see it. No, I want you to see how it's done, because I want yeah, you to know let's... how that sausage is made. Yep. Absolutely. So that's where all the study screens come in. Um, yeah. Initially, initially, because for myself, I can develop stuff just you know using debug printouts and com- and command line stuff and that kind of stuff. But for to make it an actual study experience for people to derive knowledge, new knowledge from that, I made the study screens. I, I made them little, pretty and, and graphical, and I put a ton of tooltips everywhere. So there's mm-hmm. like. Several thousand lines of explanations on everything, all over the plane, that tell you and try to teach you how a chal- how a Challenger works, um, or how an aircraft works in general. Um, it is it's it's not you know a full engineering course, but it's meant sort of my hope it, it eventually is such that people that are actually going through like engineering courses or you know aircraft uh, rate type ratings and that kind of stuff, they're going to be able to look at this and see like correlate with the with the reading in the book to what's happening on screen and be able to like understand how the relationships happen in the real thing.
1: I'll tell you what, when I was working on my type rating, uh, when I was back in the airlines, I would have paid thousands of dollars for. <laughs> <laughs> I right. mean, it's, um, and, and, and I do exactly that. You know, I'm sure Mike does as well. You know, it's, you know, you're at cruise and it's like, wow, what's, let's see what the pneumatic system's doing. You know, what's, yep. you know, what's the, um, you know, turn on the cowl, you know, the cowl heat. You know, what's, you know, how does that when what, what valves are actuating during that point? I mean, it's just, you know, it's 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 literally, you know, a, a study session. And, you know, I think to me, um to me there's some of the most powerful features, you know, in the add on, you know, Absolutely. In, in my humble <clears throat> opinion. I mean it's just it gives you an opportunity to learn. And um, you know, I you know, again, like I I don't think that there's really, you know, anyone else, you know, doing that. And, you know, to to a certain extent, you know, I I think to me, that's kind of what's lacking in the industry, you know, because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of aviators, you know, such as myself, you know, my first experience was with FS-98. And, you know, then I wanted to become a pilot, then I wanted to, you know, uh, become a commercial pilot, you know, and, I'm sure there's others who want to become AMPs, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. the combustion process and a turbofan engine. I mean, you can look at it. (laughs) Literally, literally, you know, so I mean, I I think that was really cool guys. Really cool to put that
2: in there. And I hope I didn't want to hide any details. So if, if I made a mistake, I put literally all the numbers out there. You can just run the same math and you can check my results to make sure that I didn't get it wrong. If I did get it wrong, do tell me i want to fix it but hopefully it did get a roughly right because it's behaving like the real thing as close as we can anyway approximate from the data that i have right wow
0: my mind-blowing man uh, <laughs> mind blowing. uh rise jones uh yeah i guess we can get into this next anything exciting coming in the first update uh for the 650
2: well it's it, the first update's always uh, gonna be something that essentially we've identified any issues that we've had for the initial release so it's i'd say probably 95 percent bug fixes um little issues refinements that kind of stuff stuff that had to be cut from the release to like make a release date um hmm. but uh i'd say look for big new features in the subsequent updates update one it was always try- trying to just trying to get everybody up and running
0: right of course
2: so i mean there are little refinements you know when we've identified how people interact with the thing or where they get confused um so yeah there is actually going to be like people i've noticed a couple of people get confused on streams when they were trying to call the fueler in and they didn't realize the doors closed on the aircraft the fueler's not going to walk you know through the door he's waiting on you to open the door so we've given him, Mm -hmm. him a little Kind of a oh, that's he, cool. gonna try wow. and get your attention.
0: How the hell did they get in the aircraft with the door closed? You mean they're just popping in with like their camp, their set preview, uh, their predefined camera view? Is that what's going no,
2: on? No, for example, imagine that you call the fueler and you yeah. close, the, you forget about it, you close the door. Ah, god. And we've had it. a couple of people do that because yeah. they're you know everything's new and fresh, and they want to mess around with the door, so they just close the they door just and close not it realize and not realize it. Yeah,
0: got it. And they're like,
2: where the hell's my fuel? <laughs> for, the, for these guys, it was actually worse. These were airline pilots, and to them, they ordered a fuel and then they closed the door because the fueler is going to interact with the company, right? He's just going to unhook and get away. Yeah, um, yeah. But in a private operator, you got to actually pay for the fuel exactly. or you got to sign a fuel receipt. Right. So it's, it's not so simple. And it's just, it's just telling them to get lost.
0: man that's awesome i'll tell you what i didn't realize i did uh a couple days ago i think so i didn't realize i was getting the flows down you know as as you know much better as i continue to fly the aircraft so i set my departure time like i think 45 50 minutes out and i completed everything and i'm like where the hell are the passengers (laughs) i tried calling them they were like yeah we're on the way Nothing. I tried to the FBO, didn't even have an option to send them. I didn't realize that <laughs> the timing was programmed so that the passengers don't show up to the FBO until it's closer to departure time, which is really kind of how what they're happens. out there in the real mm-hmm. world, right? Because, you know, they're, they're flying, you know, charter and, and private jet operations. They're not coming to the airport three hours ahead, you know, like they're flying a commercial flight, right? They get there yep. the first thing. They, you know, as soon as they get there, it's time to really go. So that's it's... awesome that that's built in.
2: Bizjets jets are what they call time machines for these people yeah. it's how they save time their time yep. is valuable enough Time's money uh, to the point where for some operators like they'll go and take a bizjet flight to like china or, or, or europe and they'll make a deal that's worth the entire fleet that the company's operating right yeah. on there uh, right on that day so for that's them insane. It, it really isn't worth it to be flying commercial. They just right. want to get in, get out and get as much work done as they can. Yep. So for them, yeah, it, it, it's one thing that we kind of do um, in a sense unrealistically is that uh, we make the passengers actually arrive between about five to ten minutes or five to five minutes. I'm trying to remember the exact number. It's about it's not exact, but roughly less than fifteen minutes before we departure, they're gonna arrive at the FBO so they can get go going. Right. Um in reality, of course, BizJet pilots listening in will know that it's a good day when the passenger shows up on time. <laughs> on time. Quite <laughs> often you're gonna be sitting there in the airplane. Yeah. And passengers gonna be an hour or two hours late and you can't go home or, you know, just you know, depart without the passenger. So you're just sitting there. Right. Um, eating snacks, maybe at the FBO playing with your <laughs> Nintendo, waiting for the passengers to show up. And when they show up, the jets got to be ready to go. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you can't just shut down, and go home.
0: Exactly. You better not be late, but they can be late. That's how it works.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of a that's kind of a liberty we're taking with here with the simulation that our passengers are always on time, so to speak. Right. Uh, because we realize it's still a simulation. It's got it still gotta be fun. You it wouldn't really sure. be, be very fun if you were sitting there <laughs> two hours in front of your computer not doing anything.
1: Because no one's gonna pay you. <laughs> <laughs> that too.
0: Yeah, that that was that was hilarious. I was like, "Where the hell are these folks, man? I gotta go."
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you messaged me about that. I was like, I "Man, did. I don't know." You I was like, "Ask
0: something, oh, man? They're not here. I don't know where they are." <laughs> oh yeah, that man, was, that was cool, man. That was fun. Uh, we had a, a, another couple questions in here, and this kind of segues into the next topic about you know what's next uh, for the Challenger Six Hundred and Fifty. In specifics, we'll go to kind of your overall roadmap later, but. What's next in terms of bringing it to X Plane 12, uh, and then subsequently, everyone close your ears. FS 2020, if there's even a plan for that. <laughs> <laughs> any, any start with X Plane 12 at least.
3: Uh,
2: well, it's sure. It's gonna be a free
3: update, yeah. So um, okay, then it, it's for the art, artwork side of it. There may be some adjustments I have to do for that, for the texturing and the um, uh, gloss and shine and all that sort of stuff. Um, Got it. But um, yeah, I mean, I was never one to charge for updates. Um, I just can't see myself doing that for people unless it's a massive, like, from the ground up sure. kind of, yeah, of uh, course, sure. Yeah, of course. Um, as far as code is concerned, Toto can do all sorts of wizardry, so. <laughs>
2: yeah, so it's, it's very much the same. And the XP12 update is always going to be free, um, also for the TBM, because oh, cool we have kind of a policy in that if we're selling the airplane to new customers, then obviously we're going to provide the same copy to the old customers. That'd be kind of a, kind of a bad move uh, if we were right. just to lock it behind the paywall. Um, in terms of what's next. So explain 12, fortunately it's not going to require a ton of refactoring or any, any kind mm-hmm. of massive rework because explain 12 is mostly designed to be from our, from the developer's point of view, it kind of looks and smells like explain 11. Um, obviously okay. it has a, much refined rendering and lighting engine. So there's going to be probably tweaks we can do to the graphics, but in terms of the actual development environment, it's essentially XPlane 11 plus one. Um, so most code just runs. There might be, you know, occasional snags and compatibility where we've assumed that stuff is going to be present that they've removed or that they've changed, but generally it should be a fairly painless process. Um, as for the FS 2020 discussion, we get this question a lot Um not for the foreseeable future, unfortunately. Um, it's it's there's it's not that we hate um, FS twenty twenty as a platform. It, it really isn't. Um, of course we would love to, you know, sell to a lot more people. It's mostly right. about the fact that I just don't think that the airplane would translate very well to FS 20. Mm-hmm. First of all, the development, the development environment in FS 2020 is very, very, very foreign. Um, mm-hmm. they, again, they force you to do everything their way. there's kind of got the Microsoft virus in it and that they force you to either do it <laughs> their way, which makes it incompatible with everybody, everybody else, right. or you can just go ahead and pound sand, mm-hmm. um, Mm-hmm. <laughs> and another thing is, uh, and, and the big other thing is, I don't think in FS 2020 we get as much control over the aircraft. So in FS 2020, for example, I don't think you can literally take control of the camera and move it about the same way as we would require to get like the whole FBO experience in, mm-hmm. um to get mm-hmm. the whole DI's truck functionality in, to get the whole system simulation stuff. It would just be a massive undertaking to essentially re-engineer and re-implement the airplane almost from scratch. I wouldn't say completely from scratch, but I would say probably more than 50% of it would have to be redone mm-hmm. from nothing. And uh, while there's currently more, over 340,000 lines of code in the airplane, and I'm not dying to go ahead and rewrite over half of that. <laughs> <laughs> so instead yeah, we're going to focus on X-Plane 12 for now.
3: Good. I've been so. um, I've been getting uh, messages from people. Um, I, I don't want to say they're insult. I know what's behind the messages that they send me, um, because I get messages on Facebook, on Discord, and they're saying things like, um, "If you don't make add-ons for Microsoft Flight Simulator, you're stupid. You're an idiot." And I'm like, "Okay." That's all to I'm
2: processing well. that.
3: And I'm putting a positive spin on that. Um, so i don't really want to come back to them with that they keep on saying you, you could print your own money and all this stuff and i'm just like i'm not interested in that stuff i just want to mm. make things that i can make that i'm comfortable in making and i'm comfortable right. in the next plane and i can make a living out of this um i can appreciate that they really want what we're making for Microsoft soft lights um but um at the end of the day we have to i mean it's completely for me it's completely foreign it's um mm-hmm. I know I will have to reanimate everything in 3ds Max and that's not something I'm looking forward to I mean Sasa just said he's not looking forward to recoding you know 50 percent of something like three hundred and fifty thousand lines of code right. um, for me it's a from scratch animation job and that's just not appealing at um, all cool. I mean People might say, well, you're missing out on all the money and stuff. No, well, I don't care. It's not that. It's not, right. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, um, it's just a whole different method of, of doing things. And it's, it, it's literally starting from square one, not with the modeling. The modeling is fine. I can export and put it in three years max, just yeah. reanimating and all this stuff. And so I said this before when they were laughing, I, I was just mouthing the words that I was saying, um, getting <laughs> a lot of questions about Microsoft Flight Sim. And I was like, yes, a lot. <laughs> yeah so um yeah
2: it would be a major undertaking and i don't again if we were in this for the money uh we would probably be doing something completely different if, if i just wanted to you know get rich get rich quick i'd be mm-hmm. doing enterprise software i wouldn't be doing flight sim this is right. a this is a very niche market with a mm-hmm. dedicated fan base but a limited fan base nonetheless right so if I just wanted to, you know, make the big bucks, I just go back into and write some software, some storage software for a giant enterprise, back 200k a year, and just be fat, dumb, and happy. Um, but if I I want to do on I want to work on something that I'm passionate about, mm-hmm. it's just as simple yep. as that.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. No, I, I I totally agree. And you know, it's funny you guys we can bring that up because that's not the first time we've heard that. You know, so. Um, you know, hopefully, maybe down the line, you know, a uh, Subbo slash Microsoft starts to kind of, you know, understand where a lot of developers are, you know, are, are coming from, and you know, I mean, who, you know, who knows? But you know, like I said, you know, it's not the first time I've heard that. To where, you know, it's just it's it's very foreign, you know, especially yeah. folks coming from over from X-Plane. So no, I I I totally totally understand that.
2: And, and don't you know. don't discount X Twelve, by the way, because from the screenshots we've seen, looks
0: good. The, oh, that looks good.
2: The graphics are absolutely there, and the team mm-hmm. is super committed to it. They're they're not doing it for a paycheck either. They mm. want it to be the best they can make it, essentially. And what are
3: Austin, a sorry.
2: I'm sorry, no, it's just Austin is super committed to getting physics right. So Austin approaches explain itself from very much the same, same standpoint as I did for the challenger system. So Austin never tricks anything in or generally he doesn't. So he, he, he will not do things like uh, just put in like a, like a little table of like ground effect coefficient corrections. No, he never does that. He goes back to NASA sources. He has like papers and he reads and, and constructs actual models based on test data. So, he never just goes and just botches something in there just because to get it out quickly. He he is willing to rewrite chunks of the sim just mm-hmm. to get the proper simulation behaviors.
0: Got it.
1: Wow. I've watched some of his videos. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if you guys, uh, uh, those of you who are listening, have the opportunity. I think, uh, uh, check out uh, Michael. I think it's a uh, thing under Michael Brown um, where he comes up in uh, some of his. Uh, YouTube videos, but he just goes off on, like, I feel like I'm back in college listening to him. It is. It's incredible, you know, listening to him. He'll break down the formulas and, you know, it's
2: just like, whew, you know? So, oh, yeah.
1: yeah it's definitely
2: getting... the mad genius mind at work.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> he's definitely the mad scientist for sure. For he sure. tells a
3: lot of people sometimes, like, he would get emails from people saying, for example, the Uh, the p factor is wrong in explain um he's now pretty much um of the mindset that if he gets an email like that he'll just delete it without even looking at it because if someone's going to contact him and say something is wrong with the sim he'll come back with give me figures give me facts give me data and i'll implement it of course if you you just give me like your opinion that that you think it's wrong then i'm not even going to look at it Mm -hmm. um and the other thing what i was going to say as well was um X explain 12 coming it's like i see a lot of people say this that um austin is now finally you know getting his act together and making something that looks really good that can be a worthy competitor to microsoft people don't realize that he started working on X explain 12 years ago like years I think, ago five or six years ago mm-hmm. um he had the um he was never going to abandon that and mm-hmm. it's it's interesting when they say that because um like, I don't know how much information this is, so I was privy to, but um, I've known about some things that have been in the works. I'm thinking, this, is, this thing is going to be pretty big. This is going to um, knock some socks off here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean,
0: We saw that at, uh, you know, fortunately we weren't able to physically be there this year, but at Flight Sim Expo, you know, when they came on yeah. and started giving us uh, some insight and preview into that. It uh, it looks great. I mean, I, I listen. I know the Navigraph survey came out a couple of weeks ago, and um, things are still trending towards, you know, FS 2020, but I think you guys are spot on. X-Plane isn't going anywhere. and no. Folks that truly care and, and are dedicated to flight simming and not just for, you know, the, the pretty colors and, and and some of the effects truly want to understand how an aircraft flies and handles and dive deep, dive deep into functionality and avionics and some of these other things, uh, you know x is going to be around for a long time. So definitely get it.
3: And the other thing is that Austin owns X-Plane. Um, shareholders own Microsoft Absolutely. Sim.
1: Absolutely. We'll ah, the shareholders,
3: like. If shareholders don't get their money, then Microsoft will pull the plug faster than they can even blink. That's mm-hmm. true. But we'll see. I mean, like, it's it's doing it, it did really well. It was a big promotional thing for Microsoft LightSim. Sim. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, like the, the thing I like about X-Plane is that the buck stops with the creator. Basically. right yeah and he's not going anywhere
1: no no Yep. no and that's and that's one thing i'm gonna say this mike because i know you're about <laughs> to segue into something else but you know yeah, you know, we we can't forget that microsoft has done this before you know mm. uh um, flight simulator back in the day you know wasn't you know making the revenue that they wanted to make and you know they they stopped it for for you know several years so you know for a while you know the the platform was dead and you know fortunately you know we had you know Lockheed martin kind of you know pretty much bought you know the code or whatever and uh got p3d going but you know x-plane you know was 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 right there you know it it never went anywhere you know that's You know, that's, that's one thing, you know, you, you, you can't help but admit. I mean, the dedication, you know, from, you know, the development team over there at Laminar is just un- unparalleled, you know. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to 12 for sure.
2: Yeah. I mean, I can share my sort of personal um, hypothesis or, or conspiracy theory on what ha- or why we even have MSFS.
0: Sure. Is mm-hmm. I
2: think Microsoft was trying to go the DLC route in MS Flight originally and the market just wasn't there ready for it so they didn't see the sales didn't see see the volume and it basically just axed it they were like this this flight simulation stuff sure it's nice for the professional market but it just doesn't make the money so we'll license the engine out to whoever wants to make a professional sim with it but in terms of the consumer market nah screw this the same the same it and Mm. i think um around 2017 18 maybe um they probably got approached by some very passionate FlySim folks at Asobo um, that convinced Microsoft that, hey, the DLC markets open up again. We can make money on the marketplace. That's why MSFS mm-hmm. has the marketplace built in where they take Good a commission point. on it on every sale. That's why they are pushing so hard to get it, everything into mm-hmm. Xbox because they're taking a 30% cut on every sale. And so I think they're hope for the continued revenue stream there is all the add-ons because they can they look at the p3d market and they see base sim is you know academic license 60 dollars, but how many hundreds and thousands of dollars do people spend on add-ons aftermarket and And so they thought if we can tap into that market we're going to be able we're going to be able to you know come out smelling like roses but i'm not sure microsoft is eventually in the long run i'm not sure MSFS had actually made back its original investment. Like I, I ran the numbers on a thing, and I would say, in terms of development, they're in the hole for at least hundred mil wow. on release day.
0: Wow.
2: So, because it's, I, I counted up the size of the size of the development team, and they said at release time they were had two hundred people working on MSFS, wow. and they had been working on it for three to four years. Like the size of the development team is not going to be constant, but if you right. sum up. You know, 50 to 100 people over the span of three or three or so years, you can quite easily say 50, 60 mil just in payroll. Absolutely. Jeez. Wow. So, so that's interesting perspective right there, man. So I'm and I'm not convinced that there's that many users. That's probably why they were pushing so hard to get into um, to Xbox and make the sim sort Mm. of yeah Xbox and make the sim feel a little bit more casual, essentially a, a more refined GTA 5. Mm -hmm. We're trying to tap into the millions of users they got on Xbox to like Mm -hmm. just, you know, install MSFS for the one dollar their subscription for Xbox Live Mm -hmm. and then just, you know, purchase some sort of a, you know, cheap and cheerful package of like the the Red Bull Bull thing and just, you know, fly around for five minutes, find their house and then just close it off. But still, (sighs) Microsoft will have made their cut. I think that's their market proposal, their, their marketing target i'm yeah. not sure they're they really care about their hardcore hardcore sim market um maybe they do maybe i'm completely wrong here so i don't want to be this just sort of my personal conspiracy sure. theory and if it doesn't pan out for them oh you can tell you can be sure that they're going to put the brakes on real fast
0: that's yeah, sad man i i you know you know you talking and, and really kind of going through that i've definitely seen evidence of that i think you're spot on for sure we talked about this Last week on our show, you know, that very same topic where they gave out all these copies to folks that could care less about flights Uh, they just have a couple hundred thousand sub- uh, followers or subscribers on whatever channel or whatever outlet that, you know, they, they typically um, showcase themselves on. They got a copy, flew around, went and found their house, turned it off and you never saw them stream it. Or showcase it again
2: and you know and that's just but, a copy i mean a copy doesn't cost microsoft anything right but they'll send mm-hmm. out an upc they'll send out flight controls and i'm just yes. looking yep. at we this guy who, <laughs> who never flies anything flight sim they might do like you know camera reviews or that kind of stuff and i'm looking right. at the kid right. that they send and i'm counting up and that's like five thousand dollars worth of hardware right there Alone. for this wow. one guy and there's dozens of them so you yeah. know that there was a big marketing push and big money poured into getting the yeah. thing out to casuals, so yeah. to speak.
3: I remember two YouTubers who got um, there was Doctor Disrespect's biggest Twitch streamer in the world. I mean, mm-hmm. he got yeah. he's on YouTube now. Right. He got it. Um he's not cheap if you're gonna ask him to promote Oh sure. Stuff, no. Um, Jay's two cents. He also got uh, a whole mm-hmm. computer system mm-hmm. dedicated to Microsoft Flight Sim, and, and people telling me, "Oh, look, even Jay's two cents is flying." And <laughs> I said, "Do you think Microsoft, like, do you think they actually went out and bought these computers and decided to fly Microsoft Flight Sim just because yeah. they like it?" Don't
2: Microsoft you think they the might have? Out. <laughs> yeah, don't you think they might have greased those wheels a little bit? You know, just <laughs> the the way way way. a little bit. <there>.
3: Come on, (laughs) it's promotion, it's advertising. Like, I heard, I'm like, this is pure, like, what I've heard from other big streamers is that I think Dr. Disrespect charges um, $50,000 per video to promote your product. Wow. Um, Wow. Now, if that's true, yeah, I mean, Microsoft can afford it. And of course, they're going to spend money on their investment to try and make their money back. Yeah. I mean, he's got, you know, millions of uh, viewers and however many subscribers, but, um, Yeah, they're not just going to go out and buy this stuff and say, yeah, look, I'm flying Microsoft Flight Sim. He flew it twice, I think, and that was it. Okay. Yeah,
0: um, most folks, two, three, four times, and that was it. And yeah. you have got dedicated, hardcore simmers and aviation enthusiasts that couldn't even get it until the first day, which was mm-hmm. kind of sad.
3: But yeah. um, I think I the small like audience. That it's out. I do like that Microsoft Flight Sim did come out because it introduced Flight Sim into a whole new Oh, kit, yeah, uh, kit, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen people um, see X Plane and think, "Oh, what's X Plane?" So, and then they mm-hmm. have X Plane and exactly. Microsoft Flight So that's not. It's 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 good that it came out for some competition. It's good that it came out for people to see what's going on because they're advertising there. it on you know the teenager generation, uh, you know yep. Fortnite streamers sort of sort of thing. Doctor Disrespect, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. Um, so in that way, it's it's good for the exposure. But um, as, as far as a business plan, they need to recoup a lot of money.
1: For sure. Um, For so sure.
3: we'll see what happens.
1: For sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I've, I've always, you know, I've upset that as well. You know, it's it's one of those things, you know, it's great because, you know, like my son, you know, he's, he's 11. He's, he's starting to be exposed, you know, because, hey, you know, son Game Pass, you know, you downloaded and, You know, they start flying it. Hey, what else is out there? You know, start searching things up, find the next plane, and there you go. So, Mm -hmm. exactly, Gordon, and it's good in that perspective, but, you know, from a business perspective, it's like, uh, you know, I don't know. They're taking a
3: very, very big risk. Big Uh, risk,
0: for
1: sure. For sure.
0: Uh, we got another challenger specific question. Um, Is there a way we can make the big screen in the cabin more interactive? So, from Captain Geo, he's also been flying that thing almost every day. Every <laughs> <screen>. day. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, more interaction. I love that screen, by the way. I'll sit in Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I'll miss top of the set, just sitting back there looking at that. Missing set. my
1: top of the set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: and
2: it if awesome. you think about it, that thing took uh, only about a day and a half to code. No um, way. Yeah. Dear. Yeah. Well, I I suppose (laughs) Um, there's more stuff uh, obviously planned for, um, I'm not sure if we're going to, you know, immediately commit to putting more stuff onto the uh, cabinet infotainment system, but eventually I, well, I can't say that I've been looking into integrating libvLC in there. So oh, we'll no see man. what happens from that. But I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not going to commit to have, making that happen. But yes, I, it did pass. Uh, it did cross my mind and a lot of people's mind, like, what if we could just sit sit in the sit, seat back there and watch Netflix on the thing or something like that? I was like, sure, we could theoretically, but I'm not going to make it for release. So you know, don't don't uh, look to having it available on January 7th. Netflix
0: API, <laughs> right? That thing yeah, is Netflix. so interactive, man. It's like unbelievable. I, I showed my wife, who you know could care less about flight sim, and she was just like, I could literally sit <laughs> yeah. back there and see where you are. Where you headed? How long is gonna take you to get there? What time we're gonna land? And by the way, what time we're gonna land in the time? Like I love that it tracks the time zone differences as well. It, it's just like the real thing on the aircrafts out there.
2: Yeah, getting getting so, that time zone stuff down was not easy because yeah. oh boy, time time zones are complicated. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. And and I think it's also cool too because yesterday I think I set the sim time back for whatever reason. I think I just wanted to fly a little bit more in daylight. And it still kept the time zone intact, right? Didn't mess with it at all. So I thought that was pretty cool as well. It's just a little things for me. I've been looking for Absolutely. something like that for a while. Like, let's still keep the local time zone of when we're supposed to land, you know, even though I'm setting the time back or forward in the sim. Um, I think that gets overlooked a lot, but it's there. It's there in, 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 in the, the Challenger, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> Have you seen customers do something with the CL650 that surprised you since it's been released?
3: Yes. I'm going to mention this one now. Um, even Sasha didn't know about this one. He, like I brought it up the other, uh, I think yesterday, in a small meeting we had with one of our pilots. It's amazing what people will find, what they will go through and try to find. Um, the fire extinguisher in the cockpit, I deliberately put the indicator on empty. And I said to myself, "I'm gonna let's see how long it takes for someone to notice this. See, see if they really go down into the detail to see if this thing is empty." Wow. And yeah, less than a week later, they came back. They said, "I think there's a bug in the fire extinguisher, It's showing empty." I'm like, okay. I'm like I said, "How do you go down there? What are you looking for down there?" Like, "You oh, <laughs> just want man. to see the fire extinguisher? You want to see <laughs> like, wow." These guys, there's still one more Easter egg I've put in there I haven't found oh, it Oh, yeah, yet. It's, yeah, it's oh, yeah, we're gonna be I looking at the
0: fire extinguisher is in the pre flight check. I mean, it's in our GA pre flight check, yeah. So but you go that, check
1: you know, that as well, you know, when you do your when you do your copy you preparation yeah. check, copy yeah, prep? yeah. Got
3: it, got it. <laughs> in this meeting I had with, with Sasa, he he said that he did see it when we went when, when uh, we were still developing it and he was gonna bring it up, but I just thought he was too busy, he couldn't uh. Um, he, he didn't have time to bring it up, but if he did bring it up, I was—I was, I was going to tell him. I was like, "Yeah, that's—that's that's deliberate. I wanted to see who would see it." Um, yeah, we
2: were—we were so pressed for time for the initial release that um, I was like tossing stuff away from our plate that that we wanted to do. And uh-huh. it's just like, "This ain't going to make release. This ain't going to make release. <laughs> this fire extinguisher's got the wrong indicator on the wrong thing. Who cares? <laughs> ain't nobody going to notice it's it." For- after week we'll finish it we'll fix it that kind of stuff
0: <laughs> oh, that's hilarious they sure
3: did seven, we'd have time to you know do things properly at the end but no it was a mad rush it was crazy yeah.
1: oh for sure for
0: that's sure. Listen, for, for something that you guys claim was a mad rush at the end i've i've had no issues with it no it's, issues it's No, incredible. no
1: game breaking issues at all no well, what's the
0: best way to land this plane as it doesn't like doesn't like any of the tips. So she does land a little flat, but I'm sure that's just the characteristics
2: yeah, of the Challenger. Yeah, that's very CRJ-ish, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so actually, it, we we do need a little bit more ground effect in there. So it'll, it'll, oh. it'll land even flatter. Um, wow. The typical nose attitude on a landing would be about three to four degrees nose high. And it is pretty typical. So the Challenger doesn't have leading edge slats, right? So it ju- it compensates yep. for that with some ginormous flaps on the back end, mm-hmm. and as a as a result, you come in relatively fast. Your know, typical approach speeds would be one hundred thirty five knots, seven three seven speeds, and right. the thing will still be nose down. There's actually yeah. a, a th- I've seen this. It was shown to me by one of our consultant pilots who flies the Challenger. He had he brought up a document from Bombardier uh, for Challenger converter conversion training from the Challenger onto the, onto the Bombardier Global, the mm. Global does have leading edge slats, and it oh. is commonly high, nose high on approach, you know, uh, two or three degrees nose high, whereas the Challenger's nose low. Right. And so they've had incidents where Challenger pilots that have just con- converted over to the Global, they're coming in uh, very, very sort of cabin or co- cockpit viewpoint low on the Global, yeah. not realizing they're dragging a giant airplane <laughs> with, that's like 30 feet lower with the main landing gear behind them. And they're hitting like almost hitting the, the threshold point and threshold land threshold lights on the runway Leading with in. their wow. main landing gear. Because they were still thinking, Challenger, so I got to be low on approach because yeah. the rest of the airplane is above me. Right. On a globalist it's the other way around. So, yeah, wow. it, it, it gets a little bit hard to get the landing attitude down, right? But I think eventually it'll click for people. One thing that one yep. other thing that sort of tends to people to catch out a lot of people that are used to like flying 737s and A320s and and the sim is especially on a 737 you got a you what they call a a a, a normal pitch power couple right so you retard br- mm-hmm. throttles and the nose comes down right. you put in power nose comes up on a yep. challenger it's the exact way the, the exact way opposite around right mm. so you put power in that the thing dips down. You take power out. You you come into a flare. Um, you almost don't have to like actively flare. Come into a flare. Yeah. Pull the power at 50 feet, and the nose automatically starts coming up on you. Right. So I've seen that. Uh, people then tend to overflare. They'll they'll try and go for a greaser, and they'll just barely touch. <laughs> instinctively pull back a little bit more on the yoke, and the thing goes flying again.
0: Yep. <laughs> I've been floating the hell out of that thing because of that very same reason. I'm trying to flare it. I'm just like, she's like, no, I don't need, I don't need any more flare. I'm, I'm done.
2: Yeah, so she's like, don't, don't try and flare like an A320. You're gonna be floating yeah. till the end of the runway. I learned that the hard way. Guilty. <laughs>
1: oh
0: my god Gotta love the cl650 she's built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro right <laughs>
2: <laughs> i'd appreciate a good future umber reference <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness
0: these are awesome uh guys get your questions in we are uh we're here with uh sasso and goron uh just talking about hot starts and uh mainly focused on the uh Challenger 650 that was just released last week. If you haven't picked this thing up again uh, yet, uh, you guys don't know what you're missing, man. Missing Definitely out. Go, I'm goodness. Head over uh, to X Aviation and pick yourself up a copy of this uh, aircraft. Uh, high fidelity aircraft. I think um, I can't think of another aircraft across the flights and platform in any genre uh, that mm-hmm. has been uh, developed uh, to this degree. So you won't regret it. Uh, there was another question in here. Here we go. Any hints to what's the next aircraft
3: for you guys? Something, well, for 21 yeah.
0: something, what?
2: <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're not super, you know, uh, one of the reasons why we picked uh, the Challenger as well was we were looking at the avionics suite that are pre- uh, prevalent in the industry, and one of the, the two big, I would say, are Honeywell and another Collins. right Collins. Mm-hmm. Yep. and so we were deciding what to do also for the fact that if we do it and we do it right, we want to be able to reuse a lot of the avionics for any future projects. And so that's why the the sort of the choice ultimately fell down with the Challenger because it's Proline 21 and the 21 and its derivatives, there's also other stuff obviously is in a lot of aircraft. Even a, Even an avionics developer, a big company like Collins, they ain't gonna re- redevelop everything just for a new aircraft type, right? Right. So even right. if you look at something like a Global or a, or a C-Series, um, the A220, they're still Collins, ProLine. They just call them, you know, ProLine Fusion. But all, if you sort of scratch under the, under the surface and you peel back a little bit, you'll see it's still ProLine 21, essentially. The, Aviana, the, the FMS internally has the same guidance code. It has a lot of the same navigational code in it. So being able to reuse all of that was sort of our goal. Now, we don't have a specific aircraft selected yet because it largely again depends on us um being happy with where the challenger is as a product so we can basically take our eyes off of it and we still got a lot of things that we want to do in the challenger i've promised a lot of things that i wanted to make for initial release that had Mm -hmm. to be postponed but there's still things that we still want to do on the challenger and that's going to keep us busy for a few more months so we want to do the Rega interior we want to do a medevac version and we also want to do um let's see, we wanted to do share flight integration because yes. what is the <laughs> point <laughs> of having a training level simulation? Right, and you, can't you can't fly, fly with another
0: someone. person. Yeah, man. My
2: goodness.
1: I, I'm
0: waiting for that one. That's awesome. So
2: the the entire automatic fl- first officer that we got in the airplane right now is actually kind of a crutch. It was put in later um, uh, after it had been clear that, okay, we're not going to be able to do share flight for initial release. It would just take another two months to to like get that in. So yeah, yeah, yeah. what sort of quick stopgap measure can we put into a jet that is fairly workload heavy if you just try and do it all solo? Because, uh, for example, the, a go around on a Challenger is for all manual, manual thrust manual, uh, no autopilot. Um, mm. So how do we get that in uh, for a single flight, single pilot experience? And so the, po- the idea was we can automate a lot of the flows for you um, for the normal case, you know, for the non-emergency case, if you just right. want to run through it, you can. And that was put in after it was clear that Sheriff Light ain't going to be making the initial release. Gotcha. But wow. if you want to do everything, uh, all the non-normals, if you want to do, you know, variants of the checklist, if you want to depart packs off, if you want to fly in with something broken, an MEL item or deferred item, yeah. Um, then, yeah, you got to have an actual other person there with you to, to run the whole thing, run the whole show, so to speak. And yeah. That is why sure flight is going to be coming?
0: Awesome! Look at awesome. I, I couldn't fly that thing without that uh, FO. By the way, I'd oh be, my goodness! <laughs> I'd be i in, in for a world of hurt. So I'm glad you guys put that <laughs> in. Um, there was a question here. The FBO walking around is my favorite. I never like just instantly spawning a cockpit. That it's it, that is so like incredible. That's my favorite thing in the entire uh, add on. To be honest, just being able to pop Absolutely. in the fbo and it's not just being in the F- fbo right it's being able to interact you know
2: with jenny and, that's the uh, thing is yeah <laughs> um, when we were the, this, was, jenny. It, the whole fbo concept and mission concept was actually this well i had envisioned it years ago so probably two years ago or so uh-huh. one thing that i was chatting about this with one of our testers graham uh he's an A- a320 captain and uh one of the things we both kind of despise with a burning passion of a thousand suns is people just keep putting in these stupid EFBs in aircraft add-ons where you, like, have, like, click spots to place every passenger on a seat or where you're, like, ordering fuel yeah. or where you like, setting up aircraft configurations. None of that yeah. happens in an EFB. You don't do that from a cockpit. Exactly. When you're setting up a flight, you do it in a planning room. Or you do it at home in front of a computer before you ever get to the aircraft. Yeah. Uh, when you, as an, for an airline captain, they don't care who sits where. They just get right. a load sheet. They're going to yep. get told today we have 85 people on board. The airplane's been put in trim by the load master. Right. And there you go. You just fly the thing. <laughs> uh, yep. they, they order a the fuel ahead of time at, at their uh, mission planning office. And that's it. That's all they mm-hmm. do. They, the FBO is uh, sorry the efb is for charts that's all there's in there maybe performance calculator that's about it and uh fuel uh, if you want to order fuel or if you want to you know specify to the fueler how much fuel you want just go talk to the guy yeah if you need de-icing you talk to them on radio um and that kind of stuff we just wanted to get away from that really overused efb trope uh where Everybody keeps putting stuff in the EFB that absolutely should not be there. That is that's why our right. EFB is a tab for charts and documents, and that's yep. it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Part of and that for me
0: to
2: yeah, go ahead, I'll leave. Yeah, was everything else having to do with your mission? You just go talk to people. You fill out yep. some paperwork. You go to, you go to places and order the thing really the way it's done in real life.
0: Yep. But part of that too goes back to what I was saying earlier, just about you know having some of the things that we're used to in like p3d like uh your gsx we don't really have that in x plane so i feel like part of the reason why that's getting all buried in there is because we're lacking uh utility add-ons like a gsx where you'd be able to call someone up for fuel de-icing boarding deboarding all that good stuff um but clearly you guys have demonstrated that it can be done in x plane
3: and you <laughs> know we
2: should, <laughs> just absolutely to- to, yeah, one of, of, one, of uh, one of Graham's being an airline pilot's pet peeves is he hates opening and arming doors through an AFB. He's <laughs> like, <laughs> as a captain, I don't care what happens in the cabin. The purser yeah, yeah. takes care of that. Exactly. When departure time comes, I know the doors are going to be closed. Uh, yep. The doors are going to be armed. Warmed, and yep. I just get a call from, you know, Janny in the back, so to speak, to say, hey, everybody <laughs> seated. We're ready to go. Whatever. And when you arrive at the gate, you shut down the engines um, and they automatically take care of getting the jetway on the on the aircraft. Right. They get in, the doors open, everything, you know, everything happens, so to speak, automatically from a pilot's yeah. point of view. Now, for a, a corporate pilot, it's a little bit more manual because you don't yeah. have as much ground support, but right. it's still fairly automated. Um, the thing is, it, it, you, you just don't. There are other things as a corporate captain that enter your mind. Like, for instance, Mm -hmm. you're the one responsible for ordering a ride for the passengers when you arrive. So literally, if you want to get if you want to get the FBO to get a get a rental car out to the to the aircraft for your passengers, you pick up the phone and you call (laughs) them. We're going to be there in 30 minutes. Please have a rental. And uh, they said they want an SUV or they said they want a they want a two seater sports car, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's the way it works. Uh, so yeah, we just wanted to get away from that trope of having like menus inside of an EFB for stuff that is absolutely not in an AFP.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, question for Pilot Man: We will see. Will we see some kind of management system like flight logs and MEL deferrals?
2: Oh yeah, that is one of the things we were thinking about. Uh, some people have. have Uh, been hoping to get the same kind of uh, fault or maintenance simulation than the Challenger that we had in TBM. Um, Mm. We did think about it. The problem is, first of all, a Challenger is about 10 times more more complicated than TBM just from Mm -hmm. the system's perspective. If you knew how many avionics computers there are in that thing and how many things can fail on them, you'd be doing nothing but maintenance in the same all day every day. So it. <laughs> second of all, it isn't even realistic. Well, for a TBM, you are the owner operator, right? Most of the yeah. time, you are the person with whom the buck stops. But for a challenger, what we wanted to simulate was the pilot experience. And a pilot generally does not do any of that stuff. There's going right. to be a holding company or some sort of a maintenance department that are going to take care of making sure that the aircraft is either certified for you know airworthy. And mm-hmm. second of all, the, the thing that the pilot will, though, Um, deal with is M.E.L. items and deferrals like uh, your viewer here noted and that is something that we do want to do so yes we do want some sort of a model there which you can opt into where you come up to the jet and something's broken on the thing and then you're going to have to fill up my favorite more paperwork um, (laughs) to get the thing properly logged and uh, you'll be able to dispatch with the broken item on there And then we track, obviously, you know, what you've done, what work you've done, and, uh, yeah, what sort of stuff, essentially the history of the aircraft over time. FAR-91215. Although you (laughs) see, that sounds like there are some scars right there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's burned into my mind for sure. Uh, Although that might be operated under a different part for charter. You, You would know, Johnny, right?
1: For for charter, yeah, be, uh, and when we want it to be one three
0: five, yeah, there you go. In op equipment,s uh, let's see. So that answers Geo's question about uh, you know if you had an APU malfunction, would you get like a maintenance manager to handle that?
2: Yeah, um, you. Well, we do want to simulate that kind of stuff where you, would as a pilot, walk up to it and then go go through the whole deferral process, get the whole thing sort of. Uh, we do also. I haven't told Goran this, but we're gonna have to have <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have to have taggable um, breakers. Since we've simulated all three hundred or four hundred breakers or however many there are in the aircraft, we wanna yeah. have, you know, collar tags for all breakers. So we're gonna get on that. Ah,
0: yep. Jesus. <laughs> Take a time off, man.
3: <laughs> oh, you thought you were it's done with those breakers break. again? Huh?
2: <laughs> you I thought, thought we were good. done with the airplane, but no. Yeah, there's a lot more that we're going to be doing there.
3: It's when I start hearing the word hundreds, it scares <laughs> me. Oh man! Wow. Okay.
0: Sweet baby Jesus says, Gio. "That's incredible, <laughs> man." <laughs> I mean, set so yeah, for
2: months. Yeah, and we're probably going to have to have in op stickers for that you can apply on on the on the cockpit and that kind of stuff. You know the yeah. the hanging tags and that kind of stuff. So exactly, you know, uh, it, it, you've got a non functional thrust reverser, so you're going to have to red tag the little switch for it oh, and red tag uh, and color tag the breaker. <laughs> of course, all under guidance from your AMP.
0: <laughs> oh man,
3: <that's>
1: funny.
3: Wow. <laughs> Too cool. Going wow. to It's like right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, and then, you know, it's it's and it's the little things, right? You know, uh what we've been, you know, what we've I mentioned earlier that you know really sets this thing apart, you know, and you know, every even going back to the TBM, you know, every every experience is unique. Every flight, you know, in my opinion, is different. Um, I mean, I've you know, I've been on stream and just, you know, engine, you know, as my fault, course, you know, engine catches on fire and you know, yeah, we gotta pitch for best cloud and do what we gotta do. But, you know, it's just just you know, the little things that, you know, to me, I think are just just mind blowing with this thing, and then hear that you guys aren't done. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, you know. So yeah, and I mean again, we're 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 really excited to see. Is that a question there, Mike? You see? Uh yeah. First
0: of all, hello Evan. Uh welcome, man. Good to see you. We've had Evan absolutely. on the on the show before, uh from Flight Sim Association. Uh, he's got a question about the uh temperature compensation feature. So Evan says, yeah. uh, <laughs> I just jumped out. So Evan's been asked this reported altitude issue with the vatsim unknown bug is there a setting there is a setting for it but it doesn't seem to be working he
2: says (laughs) yeah so um see goran even even on a podcast we can't get away from support um (laughs) (laughs) to our graves um so yeah evan uh, so this is actually well sort of a known issue so um the setting in the challenger does actually work the problem is more on the reporting side uh where since essentially none of the systems in the challenger interact with the core sim uh the fact mm. that you have set standard barrow is not reflected in this in the stock simulator state so it doesn't think that you've got standard barrow set and apparently some online networks mm. what they do is they read you know stock you know like the stock alt altimeter readout that you've got on the on the instrument and we're not feeding that back into the sim what you've got set on your avionics so that might be a bit of an issue we do have a temporary workaround, uh, and we have a permanent fix in Update One come in a few days. Um, the temporary workaround is essentially that you can bind the like a key to uh, like set standard barrow in the core sim itself. We it doesn't affect oh, okay. the challenger because the challenger is basically living in its own merry little world. Right. But it will make the, inter, the it it'll solve the issue with uh, with interop with other uh, with the ne- online networks. It really stems from the fact that we of course we did test the challenger on online flying but since most of us don't fly anything else we never ever changed that default setting Mm -hmm. and explain out of its default state which is you know 2992 so we never noticed that kind of a blind spot i guess but yeah
0: that's how it happened okay (laughs) i didn't notice I, i i've heard like rumblings um that that was happening but i've flown a bunch of flights on bats and with some control i think controllers are just understanding you know when they see the the flight tag on the equipment you're flying they just know i've had controls ask me hey how is it man i'm gonna pick it up myself so <laughs> <laughs> i think they uh they, they just know I, I i don't think it's drastically off so unless you're flying like a busy you know vatsim fno or some sort of vatsim event where they're trying to sequence traffic and all that stuff maybe that's it'll, when it it'll, only be,
2: yeah, it'll only be a, an issue if the if you flown a previous flight on a, on another aircraft that was using stock airplane barometric settings, and you oh, set it out of 2992. I forgot it there. It or didn't change it back. And so okay. X-1 just reloads that state back yep. in for okay. itself.
0: Got it. Cool. Awesome. Anyway,
2: for us, the workaround is pretty straightforward. We always, when you load a Challenger in, we load in standard barrow and just you know <laughs> live with it, I guess. Live with it.
0: Right. That makes sense. so cool, how are you doing? Welcome. Yeah, sorry, Gatazo.
2: No, it's just like that is wholly apart from the whole temperature effect simulation, which you can turn off because I anticipated that that might be an issue for online flying. You know, if you're mm-hmm. off by two thousand feet from everybody else, um that might ruffle some feathers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like it though. It's
0: it's it's awesome.
2: Again, it's yeah.
0: like going back to what Goran said, things that you know, you think of that most folks aren't even dreaming of um, that apply in the real world, um, but you don't even think about simulating that in a s- desktop flight sim, so that's pretty cool.
2: And it's it was sort of a, just before the challenge what got released, uh, this was actually x 12 is going to incorporate this as a core feature, and MSFS apparently added it in one of its updates, this kind of temperature effect simulation. In mean, MSFS's case, I think they actually kind of broke it the implementation is bad. Uh, and uh, so in X-Plane 12, right. I didn't know whether the implementation is any good or not. But gotcha. yeah, when X-Plane announced it for X-Plane 12, I was like, damn it, that was my jam. I was going to like bring that to everybody, everybody's attention that that's a thing that pilots <laughs> do need to look out for. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. It was like a week or two before release as well. Oh, There's, man. I haven't wow. been in
0: FS 2020 in, uh, in a while. So. Yeah, in a while. <laughs> Especially <laughs> since it got released. That. Yeah. yeah. Uh, geo in this 650 er geo if you want to fly longer you got to fly another equipment man what do you need the er for? <laughs> <laughs> where are you going, <laughs> are you going? <laughs> uh, evan says yeah i understand that ross vassim is working on a fix for that temperature related altimetry uh, and fs okay i guess x-12 might have the same thing so uh there may be some adjusting from the network too yeah that's actually probably a call out yeah
2: and the reason why I even implemented it in the first place was because the, the Challenger has temperature compensation built into the FMS, so it can actually do it for you. You don't have to like run around with a mm. with a corrections table as you would do on a on an A320 or a 737. Right. Um, but because it has the capability in the FMS, well, naturally, I want to simulate what happens if you don't use it. Yep. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. 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 Awesome. Wow.
0: Guys, we are. Gosh, an hour and thirty-four minutes. Yeah. Time (laughs) freaking flies, man. Um, And uh, I know it's pretty late over there on your side uh, in Europe. Uh, Goron's in the future um, there, (laughs) uh, Sunday (laughs) afternoon there. But. Let's tie. There you go. Uh, but, uh, definitely, you know, appreciate you guys, you know, coming on and spending some time with us and spending some time with the viewers and uh, asking uh, a couple of questions there. It's good to bring that feature into the sim. Like it's hundred percent, something positive to think of. Yep. Makes a big Absolutely. difference on cold days. Huge Absolutely. difference on cold
1: days. Yep. Ilo, look out below. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> got Put that mountain too. there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness yeah again guys you know i just want to just want to thank y'all for you know um you know releasing these products that you know really gets the gears turning you know for us average simmers i mean we've you know mike said it as well i mean there's really not a whole lot of products out there where you can actually learn something you know and you know take time and study and really you know appreciate like wow i you know i Flown probably the closest approximation approximation to a TBM or the closest approximate approximation to a challenger there is, you know, and you know some some little sense of gratification that comes with that. So, you know, again, guys, now Sasso Gordon, you know, thank you, you know, we've just been really, you know, the the community, you know, is I know myself, we're just extremely grateful to, you know, to have a have a team is so passionate about their work, you know, and just not in it for you know for a dollar (laughs) so
2: yeah and we can't wait to keep on pushing
3: as long as people enjoy it what we're making then we're happy
0: absolutely
3: absolutely
0: cool uh sasso go on any parting words uh for our viewers here
2: hope you're gonna have fun with the airplane and (laughs) enjoy the fly the doors off the thing i will
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say you don't gotta tell a couple people that's in this chat and, and Johnny not twice, man. That's, I'm telling you, like, it's uh, it's been burning holes in the Vatsim and uh, uh, all the other network guys. So it's, sure. it's been great. I'm enjoying it. Everyone else here is enjoying it as well. So yeah. appreciate it.
2: Absolutely, uh, this good. was
0: great. Thanks so much, Rock City. Thank you. Thanks for joining. Well, guys, that's going to uh, do it here for this episode of the Close Traffic Podcast. Um, those that tuned in live, appreciate it. Uh, those that will be listening to this uh, recording via our podcast outlets a little later, uh, appreciate that as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Apple, Spotify, uh, especially Apple, if you can rate us uh, four stars, wherever it's up there, it'd be great. It really helps. our I'm sorry. There we go. Continue. Continue.
0: <laughs> all right. You all take care. We're going to count down this thing and uh, stay safe and uh, have a good one. Yeah.